Hey everybody, this is Don Newman and this is Living a Life Worth Remembering. Uh, this is the show that is dedicated to helping you and I live a life that would continue to live on after our own lifetime has ended. Uh, it answers the question, how do we live in such a way that we leave a lasting legacy? And uh, I hope this encourages you today because this, uh, this show I'm very excited about. Uh, I have with me today my friend, uh, that I actually met online, kind of uh, connected with uh, Nick Terry, who is a chaplain uh, with NASCAR, specifically with MRO, Motor Racing Outreach. And uh, many of you may have heard me allude to my passion for NASCAR and how much I love NASCAR in some of the previous shows. But uh, it's always been my desire to have Nick on here. And uh, in fact, I had him endorse my first book, Responding Up, uh, because I wanted him to be a part of it. But really, the reason I did that uh, is I wanted people to know who Nick Terry is because I believe in what he's doing. I believe in the life that he uh, leads and the influence that he is uh, sharing with others in that motorsports and, and NASCAR. And so uh, the title of today's show, I just titled it Living Out Loud, How to Live Life with Passion on Purpose because you know, to be able to live a life worth remembering that really makes a mark, that really makes an impact, you and I have got to live with passion. We've got to find what we were meant to do and go after it. And sometimes that means taking risk. And sometimes that means just starting at point number one and, and getting it done. And I've seen Nick do this uh, through his life story. And so, Nick, welcome to Living a Life Worth Remembering. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. And I'm very excited to join you guys today. Awesome. I, I joked uh, before we started filming today, this is the closest that we've actually been. We are truly socially <laughs> distanced at this time. Uh, this is it. This is it. Um, but uh, him and I uh, connected online, started talking about God and NASCAR, started talking about a book I was writing. And I mean, we've texted each other and shared with each other. But every time we would try and connect at a race, I'd be on one side of the track, he'd be on the other side doing something. And uh, I've always just been a really big fan, uh, not just of NASCAR, but of what Nick and Motor Racing Outreach has done. Now you're a chaplain for Motor Racing Outreach, uh, which I understand what that means, but I'm sure there's a lot of people, this is the first time they're hearing about that. Uh, why don't you share what Motor Racing Outreach is about and what uh, being a chaplain is all about? Yeah, sure. So Motor Racing Outreach serves as the ministry that, uh, that shepherds with the NASCAR community, uh, walks alongside the NASCAR community. Um, we provide chapel services the day of the races. Um, we provide uh, counseling, Bible studies, uh, many of those things that, you know, that a church would do. We just do it in the race community with them as they travel. Now, we're not technically a church. We're a parachurch organization, but um, we operate much like a church would, uh, just within the, the fence of the NASCAR garages. Wow. I, I know uh, years ago, there was a friend of mine, and I cannot remember uh, the gentleman's name, but uh, that's when I first learned about MRO, is uh, someone had invited us out to an event. And I was really curious because all I could, you know, at the first I just thought, hey, you're, you're, you're just praying before the race. You're just going into a meeting. But it, it's a lot more than that, isn't it? 
It is a lot more than that. It's a lot of behind the scenes type ministry that people don't know about. Um, people can see us praying with drivers on pit road before the race. Uh, they can see sometimes the chapel services, but that's really just, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot behind that that goes on that takes place. Um, and so MRO has been around for 30 some years now in the NASCAR wow. community. So um, it's obviously all different this year uh, with COVID and the, the, you know, the protocols that NASCAR is having to follow so they can put the races on, but uh, yeah, we're still, uh, still, still moving on forward. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So what is it that you would say, hey, this is my sweet spot. This is what I enjoy most about what I do with MRO. I love teaching in chapel. I love teaching the word of God. Now, this is very different than what a typical setting would be for a pastor in a church. I mean, we've, you know, I've got maybe 15 to 18 minutes to, to share a message. Um, which some people might like better than sitting in a church, right? You know, I don't know. Uh, we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, all the, all the stuff to kind of cater to people. I mean, we do it right where the driver's meeting is held right after. Um, there's often a lot of outside noise going on, uh, pre-race concerts that you're picking up, you know, background from all kinds of stuff, but it's, it's really great. It's a unique ministry because it gives us the opportunity to step into their world. So I love the, the teaching, the messages part mm, of chapel, wow. but also love that just our vision is that we bear the presence of God in the NASCAR community. So just being in the garage on a Friday, leaned up against a stack of tires and just, you know, catching up with people as they come and go um, is, a, is another thing that I really enjoy. Wow. It's got to be awesome. Um, and one of the things I love about this episode is, um, you know, I see your passion for NASCAR. I see your passion for God and, and how they mix together and how you're getting, and it doesn't mean there isn't difficulties. I, I mean, I'm sure you and I could talk a lot, uh, my ministry background, there's difficulties, but to live your passion and to live it in a way that you're able to do it and be involved in it. And like you said, I could see you uh, sitting by, uh, you know, a big stack of tires, you know, and talking to somebody. One of my favorite pictures, because uh, I see a lot of your pictures, one of my favorite pictures is you baptizing somebody at Daytona Beach. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was probably Corey LaJoy and his wife, Kelly, or uh, Dustin Nikes, who, who changes tires. Um, over at Joe Gibbs Racing or uh, maybe uh, Doug Yates kids. And uh, so there was a whole group of us that got together and ha had a baptism service there in, wow. in Daytona. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's exciting to see. I mean, obviously, if you get in the infield, you'll see a lot of people getting baptized in the yeah. back of pickup trucks and stuff. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, all yeah. those little inflatable pools, there's about, you know, a thousand <laughs> of them inside the Absolutely. Track, so, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of significant moments, you know, and again, I, I realize somebody could be watching this. You're not necessarily a NASCAR fan. Hang on. Cause I want you to hear some things about Nick's life and his journey and some of the other things. I, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit of uh, what his passion is to set up how he got there. Cause I think it can affect every one of you and wherever you're wanting to go in life. Uh, but let me just finish with this as we talk about NASCAR. There's so many significant moments in NASCAR. Uh, I'm going to share mine. I want you to share yours. Okay. Mine was not just one event, but it was a series of events. And I'm sure this is, 
I'm sure there's a bunch of other people who'd raise their hand if they're NASCAR fans. But uh, I, I was a state trooper for years uh, before I went into the ministry. And when I uh, retired from being a state trooper, they gave me as a gift tickets for the whole, uh, all the speed weeks. And so I took my daughter, got her addicted to it. And I took my son. I mean, you know, I got all my kids addicted to it. And when I took my son, though, uh, we went uh, to the 500. And that, uh, unfortunately, was when uh, Dale Earnhardt uh, passed away. Mm. And yeah. we were on the back stretch. And, you know, having the trooper credentials, I'm parked, you know, underneath the back stretch where we can just walk down. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you remember that race, but Tony Stewart's flipping on the back stretch. There's yep. actually a picture that I saw, and if I look really close, there's me with two cokes in my hand walking up, <laughs> you know, from the stairs. Um, but um, you know, my son and I got in our in our truck, and we I was excited that Michael won. I mean, that's all I saw. I saw the wreck, but it didn't look bad. My son and I are leaving and uh, headed home and uh, my wife Tracy called me on the cell phone and said, did you hear about uh, Dale Earnhardt? And I just remember just this feelings that I went through and that I know a lot of people went through that are part of the sport, even those that aren't part of the sport. You know, there were people that it, it shifted something. And I'm, I'm fitting the very next week, I'm going into full-time ministry. I'm going on a staff position at a church I've been a part of and it made me think about the importance of destiny in life and, you know, at a whole nother level. Fast forward to the summer when Junior won mm -hmm. and him and Mikey are on top of the car hugging. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, somebody could not be a NASCAR fan and still see it and be moved by it. But if you're a fan, man, you're so moved by it. I mean, that's yeah. actually where I became a, a Junior fan was that scene. I mean, I became a super fan of Junior. You know, that he was the guy I followed. But uh, that was a significant moment that kind of, you know, transcended the sport itself and made me think about legacy and uh, all of these different things. I, it's impacted me today, uh, you know, and, and that's my significant moment. What, what would you say has been your most significant moment in your time in NASCAR? Yeah, that's an easy one, actually, for me to answer. Now, as we talk about significant moments in NASCAR, there's a lot that I could look at um, as a fan. But what um, what we haven't talked about yet, and, and I want people to know, is that before I started at Motor Racing Outreach, uh, I worked on a pit crew at RCR, Richard Childress Racing. And I worked there for 10 years, and I pitted, uh, started pitting in the Cup Series in 2005. And um, I pitted in the Cup Series for, uh, what was that, through the end of the 2011 season. Um, I pitted with Harvick, and then I started in 2012 with MRO. So I've been out, you know, traveling in NASCAR mm -hmm. for 19 years now after this season. Um, and so my significant moment is something for me personally, um, you know, just that, that happened to me. And it was in 2007, I worked on Kevin Harvick's team. Uh, and we won the Daytona 500. We beat Mark Martin by just a couple inches. Um, I remember that. You know, Mark is such a wonderful guy. And uh, once I started at MRO, you know, he would always attend chapel. And so I got to know him a little bit. And I just love him. But um, so that moment right there, and I don't want to get too far ahead. But, you know, as you talk about legacy and things like that, it was, it was that weekend. It was the day after that the Lord called me into ministry. 
um, and began wow. to, you know, I began to kind of, uh, you know, unpack what that would look like from there uh, moving forward. So that was the most significant moment, you know, in my life, especially as it pertains to NASCAR, but maybe in my life, you know, period, one of the most significant moments. Um, so yeah, winning the Daytona 500 was really cool. Um, but what it led to was, was even better. Wow. I love that, that, you, you know, here's a mountaintop experience because I mean, being part of that pit team, I mean, you're up there with the confetti and changing the hats and, and, and pushing the car into the museum or, you know, into the, where they keep it at. I mean, you're doing all that stuff. Uh, and the fact that that rode right into the Lord's call, that is, uh, that to me, it sounds like just one of those highlight moments that you probably look back at pictures and think, man, what, what a period of time this was. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, you can't see it, but behind me, you probably see the corner of it just above my desk. I've got a, a picture from Victory Lane uh, from that race, and Harvick signed it, and it's just really special. I don't keep a whole lot of, uh, you know, memorabilia, but that's a special one and a, and a few other things. That, that's awesome. And, and that, to be honest with you, that's one of the things I want to help people have. I want people sure. to be able to experience those moments to where the work that they've put in comes to something significant. And, uh, you know, I love, I, I love teaching on bri bridges. You know, life is full of bridges uh, and bridges lead to other places. You know, they're, they're part of the journey. And sometimes you got to go over a bridge to get to a place to go to another place. Um, mm -hmm. But to be able to come to significant points, you know, I love when I talk to somebody and they talk about, man, significance when I accepted the Lord, significance when I got married, when my first child was born, when I, I got this promotion. And, and that's what this, you know, what I love to talk about, the abundant life that you and I believe in doesn't mean it's easy, but it's full. It's full of life. And so uh, I appreciate you sharing that. What, what I'd love for you to do is kind of, you know, I know it, it, it may be hard to kind of encamp, you know, bring it all together, but I want you to share about your journey, how you entered into NASCAR in the beginning. And, you know, because what I love about that is, you know, there was a place and time that a door opened and you entered that door and it led to one thing that led to another thing that led to another thing. And here you are today living that yep. dream, living that picture that's behind you. So kind of mm -hmm. just share that whole kind of journey. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it started in the late nineties. I'd never even been to a race of any kind. And a friend of mine was racing at Caraway Speedway in Ashboro in Ashboro, North Carolina. And he invited me to come watch him race. And I was a couple of years out of high school and I went and watched him race and I was just fascinated by it. I thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, these cars wow. racing around, it's loud, they're beating and banging. And I was at a stage in life where I didn't really know what I was going to do when I grew up, you know, except I was sure. already growing up. So I needed to figure <laughs> something out. Um, and so, I, you know, I just asked the question, like, the guys get paid to do this. Is this a job? And he explained to me, well, not really at this level. But at the higher levels of NASCAR, people do it for careers. People get paid to do it. And so immediately I fell in love with it. I set my sights on that. Uh, one of the things that I, you know, is always kind of in my DNA is just hard work, you know. So once I set a goal or figure out what I want to do, I just kind of pursue it with, uh, with all my heart and all my, 
uh, focus and effort. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I basically went from the, the ground up. I didn't know anybody that worked in NASCAR at, you mm-hmm. know, at the top three national series um, to just working my way up. Uh, I went to Forsyth Tech Community College. I learned how to, you know, build chassis and build engines in their race car program. I helped um, some race teams uh, on the weekend, just local local teams. I eventually got a job part-time taking care of Clay Campbell's late model car, uh, who's the president of Martinsville Speedway, uh, who's a dear friend of mine. Um, and then, I, you know, after I finished it for SciTech, I got an entry-level position at RCR driving the pit stop car, gluing up the lug nuts for the practices. I would watch the teams, and then after I was done working for the day, I would practice myself for uh, a couple hours. I mean, just running around, just nonstop till my hands were, you know, so tired they couldn't take anymore. Um, Eventually, one of the guys uh, on the Bush Series team uh, had to miss a practice. I said, hey, I can – I can fill in. And they were all like, you can fill in. I said, yeah, you know, and so I filled in, it went good. Eventually got a position on the Bush team. Uh, eventually somebody got suspended on the, on the cup series uh, that they had to miss a race. Um, I don't know if you remember the incident with Harvick and Ricky Rudd at Richmond. Yeah, yeah. it was like 2003, I think. Um, so I got to fill in the, the next week at, uh, at New Hampshire uh, in the Cup Series, and one thing led to another. In, in 2005, I got to go full-time in the Cup Series uh, on the pit crew. Wow. Now, now, so you're practicing afterwards. Now, you're driving the, the practice. You're, you're driving the car in there. They're practicing. Then they're done. And when they're yep. done, you're going and practicing. All by myself. And with no promise it's going to go to any anywhere. No, no, no. They don't make promises for hard work and – in NASCAR, they make promises if you can do the job. And yeah. if you're good enough to do the job, you can get the job. But I'll tell you, one of the best, one of the best advice that, that I've ever gotten, it was before I got hired at RCR, um, I wanted to be a jackman. And I had a little bit of, of background doing it. I was actually pitting for a friend of mine who raced in the Pro Cup Series. You didn't have to be real good to do that. And so I got a tryout over at uh, Petty Enterprises. And I went over there and, and uh, I didn't even do a pit stop. They just pulled the car in and I did it by myself. And uh, the pit coach, Mark Malden, who is a dear friend of mine, he told me, he said, you know, I'm just going to be straight up with you. Uh, you're just not good enough to, you know, for us to hire you for, for, to do something like this. Um, you've got to improve here, here, and here. And that honesty was some of the best advice that I've ever been given. Because it wasn't given in a bad way. He was just being honest and giving it in truth and in love. And that is really what set me up to say, Hey, okay, I know where I'm at. This is where I need to get to. And it really pushed me to work super hard to get there. Wow. Wow. I love that because you know, that, that displays what I'm talking about, that the fact that you'd go and practice. I remember uh, my brother uh, who went on to play college uh, sports as a uh, quarterback could have actually gone played pro. He got hurt. And in high school, he wasn't one that you'd look at and say, man, he's the most naturally talented person. But I remember watching my brother. I mean, first off, him and I played ball together. He's four years older than me. But I remember watching him go down, because we lived in the country, and run between trees. Nobody there, just practicing, just practicing running. And then the the tire. You know, any quarterback, you're always going to see the tire throwing again and again and again and again. 
And, uh, you know, I think what you're saying, and I love this, you know, is that passion is best demonstrated through hard work. Yeah. Through hard work. You know, you can't tell me you're passionate about something. Show me you're passionate about it. That's right. And yep. a passionate person's going to stay after everybody leaves and practice, you know, uh, lug nuts or, or whatever yep. you, know, you were doing and stuff like that. And I think it's so important to have that uh, in anything that we do. You know, you can be mad at the world and why isn't it happening for me? Well, look, what are you passionate about? Get committed to it. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what it sounds like uh, you've done. But one of the things just, you know, getting to know you, reading about you and us kind of talking back and forth. And again, there's nobody on this show. Uh, I haven't got to interview the Lord Jesus yet. So there's nobody who's totally perfect on this show, but I love bringing out some of the things. And one of the things I love is not only you're a person of passion, but a person of humility. And, yep. uh, you know, what do you think, uh, is the key? And when we talk about humility, I'm not talking about weakness. Humility is not weakness. Um, yeah. what do you think the key to being a person that's both passionate? Okay. That really is on fire about what they're doing, living out loud. And also at the same time, you know, humble about it. And what does that mean to you? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely the most imperfect person you've ever had on this show. I can <laughs> promise you. I mean, going back to when I worked on the pit crew, you know, we, we didn't always even obey the state troopers. So please forgive me and tell all your friends. That this is what the show is really about, Nick. I've actually got <laughs> some uh, clocking devices here that we yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, I was in the back of the van. I wasn't driving. Yeah, you know, you these driving. vans are full of pit crew guys. All right. So to answer your question about humility, you know, as I, you know, I think the easiest way I can answer that is it's a unique place that God has called me to minister to. And I'll never forget this one moment. I was getting ready to do a, a wedding uh, for a NASCAR driver. And, uh, and there was all kinds of NASCAR folks coming in. And the only thing that I have at a wedding, okay, is the gospel. I don't have, and I always tell people that when I'm married. I'm like, I don't have a different message. All I have to share is the unconditional love that God has shed on us through Jesus. That is the model for your message. I don't have another message to share. That's it. And so I look at all these, these NASCAR people coming in to attend this wedding. And I'm like, who am I that God has chosen me? to share this message with these people who are not likely gonna attend a church service to hear this message. And to me, that is a really humbling thought. And so the way that I try to, to think about it or something I say to myself, okay, I say to myself through prayer every time before I share a message in chapel is, you know, uh, God, it is a privilege to have this microphone Thank you for choosing me because it's easy in NASCAR to say, well, you know, if I can get in this picture with so-and-so or if I can name drop this person or whatever, it's really going to boost me up and make me feel a little bit more important. But that is the opposite of humility, right? It, it is to allow God to exalt you because the Bible says that God exalts the humble and he opposes the proud. And yeah. so it's to remain humble and not prideful. It's to, to be not proud and let God open doors and God exalt me into places of ministry. And so that is the most important key uh, to walking in, in humility as it pertains to ministry. Because it's easy to say, oh, you know, it's yeah. the NASCAR chaplain, but 
I mean, really, it's, I mean, it's a cool job, but, you know, there are struggles in, you know, everything you see on TV or the glam life is not all what it, you know, is what it, you know, turns out to be. I mean, you know, when you're coming home from a race at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, you're tired and, you know, the weekends are your, you know, your family's at home and you're on the road. And so there's a lot of, lot of challenges to it too, but that's, that's how I, you know, daily try to walk in that humility. Yeah. I, I love what you, you've said because, you know, I think that's, you know, the two verses, the one you just shared about God promoting the humble, the other, your gift will make room for you. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look at somebody who has climbed the ladder the right way, didn't climb it alone. They climbed it with God and they climbed it in a way that, you know, that God put them in that position. And, you know, and I, I think that that is, that is so key. Well, I know you're passionate about NASCAR. I know that you and I could tell stories and stuff. I mean, like, you know, part of me wants to go, man, tell me about you doing Dale Jr.'s wedding. I mean, tell me about that. But because I'm such a junior fan, but I, I want to talk about some other things. We can talk about that uh, later and some of the great stories of NASCAR. But uh, I know that you're passionate about your family. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to know you and both Amy a little bit. And, uh, you know, I love your family. It's Sam, Arabella, and Sharon. Uh, That's right. You know, and uh, I've seen the pictures, but there's such, you know, you know, there's such a unique story about Sharon that I want you to share. But, you know, you've communicated with me and I've read about your passion. Like, you'll be, I'll see you post something about NASCAR that again, somebody that is all into NASCAR alone would just be talking about what's going on there, but I'll look and you'll have a bigger post about Sam and golf. Yeah. You'll say more about him and, and you taking him somewhere and being at his golf match. And, uh, you know, I think that's important because, you know, living with passion, we, we can't get these out of balance. You know, they've, they've got to be a passion about our career, a passion about God, but a passion about the family, but share, share about your family uh, and then share, tie on to the end of that, this, the story of Sharon. In fact, I want to uh, bring up a picture now that uh, I know you've sent to us just to show what an incredible family you have, just a beautiful family. And uh, there's a lot that that picture can say to a lot of us uh, today. So, uh, Thanks for sharing that picture, but share about your family and then share about the special story about Sharon. Yeah. So I have three kids and, uh, first let me start with my wife, Amy. She is the, the, uh, the rock, uh, to our family. And, uh, she's just an amazing woman of God. Um, and then I have three children, um, Sam, Arabella and Sharon. Sam is 12 years old and Um, He is a a very, very talented, young, uh, aspiring golfer. Um, He's a plus one handicap at 12 years old, so if that (laughs) tells you anything. Uh, Arabella is uh, is my other biological child. Um, She's an amazing young woman. Um, And then Sharon, uh, who is uh, our third child, she's adopted from Uganda. Uh, She's been with us for five or – yeah. I think five years now. I don't know. I lose track, but it's because I really lose track because she's part of our family and we don't even, you know, look at it that way. Um, but um, so we went through the adoption process was really 
quite difficult, uh, to be honest with you. It was quite challenging. You know, it's one of those things that when you're going through, you feel like you're trying to swim out of the middle of the ocean, right? And then yeah. once it's over, it's over. You're like, oh, we're done with that. You know, and it, it wasn't, uh, wasn't bad at all. But going through it, it was difficult. I will say this, and I don't want to get too far off track, but it's one of those things that if I knew how difficult it was, I don't think I would have done it, right? And so I think a lot of times the Lord doesn't give us a complete vision on how things are going to be because of that, you know, because we wouldn't have, because when we started it, it was like, yeah, I'll do that. Sure. Why not? I believe the Lord wants me to do it. He just didn't quite show us what all it was going to entail, but yet he was faithful every step of the way. And, um, and so we went through the adoption process. Sharon is a super easy kid. Uh, she's just easy. I mean, she doesn't, you know, not, I mean, she's just an easy kid. So she fits right in. Um, and we have a, a, a blessed, wonderful, family with uh just you know just yeah. I, I you know I, I, when i when i think about the question that you ask um you know i feel like my greatest ministry is at home and i think that should be true for all dads who are leading a family so whether you're in ministry or not full-time you still have a ministry if you're a christian through your workplace or wherever it may be but your greatest ministry starts at home it starts with making disciples of your children and leading your family well and so that's why i'm so passionate about my kids and i'm super proud of them you know and that's why i post pictures of them all the time versus pictures with you know with me with somebody at a racetrack right and that's that whole walking in humility thing if it doesn't bring glory to god i try to just you know make it not about me but my kids i'll just rifle off posts about them all the time because i'm so proud of them yeah. you know and and, and i you know it, really even reminds me of the way God is, you know, proud of us through his son, Jesus, and just the way that he would celebrate uh, It's much like the story of the prodigal son. Right. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm super proud of my kids and I love to, to share their accomplishments and what they're doing. They were all three baptized in Daytona as well. Oh, that, cool. uh, that same, that same service. Yeah. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. I heard somebody say this last week uh, at a meeting I was at, Hey, the, the only person, that we're required by God to bring to heaven with us as our children. Yeah. You know, you think about that responsibility and, you know, and, and keeping that balance. And I think all of us have to always keep that as a balance. But I love the fact you shared, uh, I know in one interview uh, that really what led to this whole, and, and you're so, you're so right that many times God won't show us the whole picture. It's almost like, yeah, yeah. Step out here. And then you go, this has been a 15 year journey. What? is going on here Uh, but that's part of his leading he gives us vision enough to walk into something and enough uh, stamina and passion and all the things to keep going but i you know one of your interviews you shared how amy had read a book and that was the catalyst to the adoption share about that briefly yeah she read about a um she she read about a, a a young woman who had uh, moved to Uganda and had basically adopted these kids and lived there because she wasn't able to adopt them and bring them home for whatever restrictions uh, there were. And I, I don't, I don't remember the details of that story. It's been so long ago, but I think it was called uh, kisses from Katie or, or I'm not sure, but it was, uh, it was about, about her adoption journey in Uganda. And so we began to do some studying and, and just reading about Uganda. We fell in love with it. Uh, the number of orphans there, 
um, just the, the, the civil wars that had gone on there in the past and wow. just the result of, of that. Um, and, you know, people sometimes ask us, they're like, you know, why did you adopt from Uganda? Well, one, the reason we adopted to begin with is because we feel like that aligns with who God wants us to be. And you don't have to adopt some, a child to care for orphans, right? There's other ways to care for orphans. But we felt God called us to adopt. But two, because we fell in love with Uganda, you know, to, to think that sharing her life is going to be radically, radically different wow. than it would be. Now, adoption in America is wonderful, too. There's tons of kids that need adoption and fostering and things here within our own country. But Sharon, if I'm going to be completely transparent, you know, she had no future. I mean, no future at all. I mean, she hadn't even, I mean, her nutrition was, I mean, she didn't have a nutrition, right? I mean, just was rice and beans and that was it. That's all really she was ever going to eat or to, you know, have a place to use a bathroom that wasn't outside. And that was the life that was paved for her future. I mean, it's almost impossible, you know? And so to take a, a young child like that, bring them into America to where now she is a U.S. citizen and to give her a future, right? To give her hope and to help her prosper. Um, so that was kind of the, um, the reasoning for adoption, you know, there. Wow. And I, and I love the pictures and the things that uh, I think Amy has shared a lot on, you know, so much of the unrest that we've seen in our country this last year. And, uh, and again, not being political or trying to make a statement, but the fact that she's saying, hey, look, we're living it. We're living a unity that doesn't matter if you're white or black. And this That's is God's right. family. And so mm -hmm. and I know you didn't step into adoption to make a statement. You did it because of the passion. And again, you're being led by passion and you read a book and you know how much I believe in books and how a book can change yeah. why we're going to get yeah. you to write one and Amy to write one. <laughs> Amy's working on writing one. I'm dragging my feet. I'm, it's that it's that whole passion thing where I was doing all the practice pit stops. I haven't gotten there yet with my book. So when I do get that passion, I'll knock it out quick. But yeah, I know you will. There yet. I know you will. But just a significant message within your family, uh, you know. And and I love I love sharing that again. Uh, one of the biggest reasons I, you know, wanted your endorsement on the book. I mean, it means a lot that you would have endorsed it and, you know, you took time to look at it, but I really wanted people to know who Nick and Amy and your family are. We need, we need more stories like that. And again, it doesn't mean that you don't have days that aren't perfect. I mean, that's the, that's the great news and the grace of God. But uh, you know, I think there's incredible stuff. And one of the things I want you to kind of end with and is, you know, you know, the abundant life that we believe in, you know, it's not about cars or houses. I mean, yes, God can do all kinds of things, but I want you just to share from your heart, because I don't know who's listening to this today, but I can tell you the big thing I'm really hoping and, and praying, not only does this let people know who Nick and Amy Terry are, but I'm asking the Lord to use it in a way to let someone know, hey, there is an abundant life. Uh, that that is there for you, but what do you see as the the key of 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 living an abundant life, and you know even weave in the practicing and stuff? But just share a little bit about that, and then we'll close up here in just a moment. Sure. Yeah. So um, I want to connect the dots here um, on part of my story to your listeners, and I, and I would say too before I do that, it's great that people want to know me. 
and my wife and my family, but I really just want to take all that and point it to Jesus. I want people to know Jesus. And that's really what, you know, my life is all about and my ministry is all about. But I want to connect the, the dots on a couple of things that I talked about. And part of my story, if we jump back to 2007, went in that Daytona 500, it was Sunday night. And Sunday night, we went back to the hotel and we all got pizza and watched the news and, you know, post-race coverage. It was so special. Monday morning, we got up and uh, we went back to the Daytona 500 uh, museum there. They have a champion's breakfast. They're doing a bunch of interview and media stuff with the driver and crew chief. We're just kind of hanging out as a team. But we get to attend the champion's breakfast, and then we sign the back of the car. And then we push that car in the museum as a team and do some pictures and things like that. It was one of the most special days of my life. And then uh, we left probably after lunch. It was about two or two or three o'clock maybe. And we were flying back home. And I was just, just having a, a time of worship and just listening to some worship music and thanking God for just his blessings and, and just the opportunity to, you know, to experience that. And it was one of those, you know, top three or four significant moments in my life where I felt like God really spoke to me. And I, I had this thought, and the thought was this. And, and, and keep in mind, this was the best feeling that I had ever experienced. I'd worked my entire adult life to get to this moment at the pinnacle of NASCAR. It just felt so good. And I prayed this. I said, God, this must be what heaven feels like because this is the best feeling I've ever felt. And I'm telling you, it was as if the Holy Spirit just whispered in my ear, this is not even close to what I prepared for you. Not even close to what I prepared for you. And so I just began to think like, I've spent my whole adult life chasing, pursuing success, right? I mean, we get home that Monday in the second race of the year in 2007 was Fontana, California. So we worked till midnight because we were already a day behind trying to get the Fontana car loaded and out the door. And I worked my whole life to, to a, a, obtain a goal, a trophy. And in a moment, it was gone. I mean, just that fast. It was like we experienced it. It was over. And, and then it was gone. And, you know, I, I, got to, I got to thinking like, well, why am I spending all of my time focusing on something that's here and gone? I mean, that's really the value that it has. And, and so God really began to stir in my heart that I need to spend my time pursuing people, not things, not trophies. And, and you know, at the pinnacle of NASCAR, and I see it in ministry, that when, when the world says you've accomplished everything and you've achieved everything, those are some of the most empty moments in people's lives. And, um, and so I began to just pursue people. And, and, you know, like you said about taking your kids to heaven, the only thing you can take with you to heaven is people. Can't take stuff. And, you know, as you titled this, this uh, message today or this podcast, you know, about leaving a legacy. Like leaving a legacy is not about leaving stuff, you know, for, for people, land or houses or whatever. And all those things are great. I hope that I have some things to pass on to my children and to leave for them. But the legacy, the legacy is about, is about Jesus. It is about your ministry. Is it about relationships? It is about the way that you've loved people and served people. And that's the legacy that I try to, to live by 
uh, not not only every day, but you know, in my relationships and you know, with with people. And so, um, in in the book of Joshua, the uh, Joshua was leading the people of Israel into the Promised Land, and they got to cross the uh, the Jordan River before they entered the Promised Land. And uh, the Bible says before they did uh, that God would part the the water for them to cross on dry ground. And this would have been the second time, right, that they crossed on dry ground a body of water and it wasn't super wide, but you weren't walking across it, you know? And then it says this, as soon as the feet of the priests touched the water, God said, I will part the water from upstream and you'll cross on dry ground. And it required something, right? It required them to step in believing that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And so that's, you know, probably my life verse um, that I try to live by. And I would encourage people listening, you know, to, to, to live by because, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a step of faith and you, You know, you may be afraid, you may be uh, concerned that you're going to mess up or drop the ball, but at least take a step of faith and let God do the rest. And so that's kind of been the, you know, that was kind of what, you know, how I stepped into ministry. You know, it was uncomfortable, it was scary, and I wasn't qualified, but man, I'm going to step in by faith what God has asked me to do. Wow, man, that's so powerful what you just shared, Uh, and not that I'm going to rename this episode but it's almost like I'm sitting there listening to you and it's like, how do you enter into this abundant life? You step in, mm-hmm. step in, you make a decision to step in and everything's not going to be perfect. You know, you can't wait to step in when everything's prepared. You know, you can't wait until everything is set up and you know, you, you got to step in and yes, you will mess up along the way, but you, you've, you've, you've got to step in. And uh, that's, that's huge, just what you said. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, I just want to encourage you. If you've stayed with us this long and, you know, heard some of these stories, I don't know what it is. Maybe you're supposed to start a business. Maybe, you know, God's drawing you to himself. Maybe uh, it's about writing a book. Whatever it is, um, you know, step in. Step in. Don't let time continue to pass by. Uh, because if you want to live out loud, if you want to live with passion, if you want to live that abundant life, you've got to step into it. And of course, uh, we believe that that comes by following Christ and by submitting your life to God. And, you know, he can take you all kinds of places. You know, I think of, of Nick, uh, his life just starting out as a, you know, a young man, hey, went to a race and look where it's led to. But this isn't the end. It's going to go to other places too. And so, you know, with that, Nick, just, uh, I love everything you've shared, but, you know, um, 80 years from now, what would you want people to know about Nick Terry? I think you've said it, but I would love to hear you (laughs) hear it maybe a different way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty short answer, just that I did all I could do to love the Lord and to serve the Lord. And, you know, and I I answer it that way because, you know, you're never going to love the Lord worthy enough of what he's worthy of. Right. But that was the, that was the effort in which I gave. I mean, the Bible says to work hard to show the results of your salvation. And so we've talked a lot about working hard. You're not working hard for your salvation. You're working hard to show the results of your salvation. And so I want to just love the Lord with all my heart, love people, you know, as I love myself, love my neighbor and just serve him to the best of my ability and everything else beyond that will take care of itself. Wow. That's great. What is next for uh, Nick Terry and Amy Terry? Share what, what's going on and what's in the future. 
Yeah, so the future is I'm going to continue to serve with MRO uh, as full-time chaplain for NASCAR. Um, so I love that ministry. Um, but we're also launching a, a business uh, ourselves, my wife and I, and we're just in the early processes of this. Um, but we're going to do two things. One, we're going to offer uh, wedding consultation, um, not necessarily planning, but helping helping uh, folks, you know, kind of work out and consult, give them some ideas. A lot of times when I meet with people and ask them what they're going to, you know, when I'm doing a wedding, it's like, hey, what do you got planned for your wedding? And a lot of times you're like, I don't know. <laughs> so we're going to help them with that. We're going to offer coordinating the day of the wedding because it's the most special day of, of people's lives, right? And so things need to happen in a timely fashion and they need to happen well. Uh, we're going to offer me officiating weddings, which... You know, I've done a lot of weddings already to begin with, but it's mostly, it's all been just people inside the NASCAR community. So we want to help people in the little bit of free time that we have with weddings. We also started this really cool thing where, um, where we're painting these, these door signs. And maybe you've seen them where they're, you know, they're four foot tall and we paint welcome on them. One of the things that we're doing that's unique uh, to what we're doing is we're taking the L in welcome and writing Joshua 24, verse 15. Uh, it's when Joshua gave his final charge to his people, and, uh, you know, and he, he gave them the charge you know, to stop worshiping idols, but to worship God only. And it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so these two things that we're doing really connect together well, because um, we want to uh, encourage people to just invest in their home, invest in their marriages, strengthen their marriages, um, and invite the Holy Spirit into their home, you know, in, uh, in a way that is honoring to the Lord in a way that they're declaring, hey, it's for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to trust the Lord with all our heart. So that's what we're getting into on the side right now, apart from full-time ministry, which keeps me pretty busy in itself. So. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and future book writing, of course. Of course. Yeah. That is on my, I'm more, I'm trying. I'm the guy that's always going to be encouraging you, making sure that you leave that behind at some point. So listen, I so appreciate you uh, being with us today. I, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it. I could have talked again for another 30 minutes and uh, gotten lost in the middle of it, but uh, it's so nice to be this close. I'm sure we're going to find a, a race date or some poor time in the future that we'll, we'll connect even more, but thank you for being here. Sure. Yeah, you're welcome. And just to any of your listeners that can uh, find me on Twitter at Nick Terry MRO or Instagram, Nick Terry MRO, and just reach out to me. I'll love to respond and connect with people and, and chat with people and encourage them in their faith and in life any way that, uh, any way that I can. Yeah, <clears throat> that's awesome. Uh, we're going to share some links here at the end. Uh, on how you can connect with Nick. And I encourage you to, uh, you know, many of the things that he'll post on Twitter uh, have been inspirational to me. So we're going to put those links up. We're also going to put other links up that uh, will share information about what you and Amy are doing. And uh, again, uh, I love what you said about, you know, we're just trying to promote the Lord. I, I totally, totally get that. And, and that's why I want to help share about you because it's a story that leads to the story. And so we're that's going right. to share that at the end there. So God bless you guys. Tell Amy, we said, hello. 
And, yeah, uh, I sure will. And uh, I'm glad you found some inspiration on Twitter because I have this love-hate relationship with Twitter, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I take extended breaks from Twitter. So anyways, well, yeah. thanks for having me, man. I thanks. just uh, I appreciate it. And you keep up the good work. I appreciate all your support and, you know, yeah. things you're, you're doing for Amy and I. So Absolutely. thank you. We're here for you. Well, I'm so glad you got to tune in on this uh, episode today of Living Out Loud, uh, my interview with Nick Terry, uh, hearing how he's living the abundant life as a, a chaplain with MR, MRO and, and so many other things that are happening. And I just want to encourage you, whatever it is in your life that you're looking at, and it's like that river he was sharing, man, it's time to move. It's time, it's time to make a change. I just want to encourage you today to make that step and step in. Step in and step forward because I know that God has an abundant life for every one of us, including you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Living a Life Worth Remembering. I want to encourage you to share this with other people on YouTube. You can go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. That's Coach Don Newman on YouTube. And also you can select uh, on the YouTube channel a way to be alerted uh, whenever there's a new broadcast that comes up once a month, uh, I'm bringing up a new uh, episode of Living Life Worth Remembering. A couple of the most recent episodes uh, are very exciting, sharing different points and stories. I, Mitch Rossell from Nashville, the country music singer, was a guest of mine last month. You can go back and listen to that episode. But I want to encourage you to share this with others. They also can go to iTunes at Living a Life Worth Remembering and subscribing there as well. But uh, subscribe, share, and most of all, you focus on living a life worth remembering. Thank you for being with us today. God bless each and every one of you.